Good morning, and welcome to Simply Science. It's Friday, January 26th. On today's show, discover the magic of mixing brain science with tech and how cognitive science boosts IT. Also, find out about the 25 Westchester High School students who have been named Regeneron Science semifinalists. Plus, Element Science receives CE mark for the Jewel Patch Wearable Cardioverter Defibrillator. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Science. We start off with the intriguing intersection of cognitive science and information technology, a combination that's changing the game and enhancing how computers understand us. Here to discuss this is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Science. Can you explain what cognitive science is and how it's being used in IT? Certainly. Cognitive science is a field that investigates how we think, learn, and make decisions. When applied to computers, it helps make technology more user-friendly. For instance, it aids in designing websites and apps that feel natural and easy to use. It's not just about aesthetics, but also about the user experience. Everything from the colors and positions of buttons to the feedback provided plays a role. So it's about making technology more intuitive. Can you give us some examples of how cognitive science is being used in technology today? Absolutely. A prime example would be virtual assistants like Siri or Alexa. They're designed to understand what we say, making interacting with them feel like talking to a friend. They also learn and improve over time. Cognitive science also helps computers predict future trends, which can be invaluable for businesses planning for what's coming next. That's fascinating. But with all this advancement, are there any challenges or ethical considerations we should be aware of? Indeed. While the combination of cognitive science and IT is impressive, it's not without its challenges. Ensuring fairness and privacy is paramount, as is preventing unintended actions. It's a delicate balance between leveraging the benefits of this technology and ensuring it's used ethically. And what might the future hold for this intersection of cognitive science and IT? The future looks promising. We can expect computers to become even smarter possibly understanding emotions and exhibiting a degree of empathy. The aim is not just to make technology work, but to make it work in a way that feels natural to us. It's a future that's bright, brainy, and absolutely fascinating. That's certainly something to look forward to. Thanks for that, Michael. Now let's shift our focus to Westchester High School, where 25 students have been named semi-finalists in the Regeneron Science 2024 Scholar Competition. This competition recognizes and rewards students for their curiosity, innovation, and ability to use science to improve the world. Each of the 300 scholars will receive $2,000, with their schools also receiving $2,000 for each enrolled scholar. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Science. Can you tell us more about these students and their projects? Certainly, David. These students have submitted exceptional projects that demonstrate their ability to use science to tackle pressing societal issues. For example, Thomas Kong from Ossining High School has been recognized for his project on quantifying the information overlap between gene expression and metabolism across multiple cancer types. Aidan Fell, 
also from Ossining High School, has been recognized for his work on the impact of tetrahydrobiopterin deficiency on cognition in Alzheimer's disease and mild cognitive impairment. These projects certainly sound impressive. What are some of the other projects that have been recognized? There's a wide range of projects, David. For instance, Annabel Reed from Ossining High School has been recognized for her project on how musical training can decrease cognitive workload during hearing in noise tasks among adolescents. Daniel Endokarge from Byram Hills High School has been recognized for his work on optically tunable metasurfaces for enhanced detection of fluorescent molecules. These are just a few examples of the innovative work being done by these students. What's next for these semi-finalists? On January 24th, 40 of the 300 scholars will be named Regeneron Science Talent Search finalists. These finalists will then compete for more than $1.8 million in awards during a week-long competition in Washington, D.C. from March 6 to 13, 2024. It's certainly an exciting time for these students. Thanks for the insights, James. Speaking of exciting developments, Element Science has announced that it has received CE Mark certification and UK conformity assessed marking for its novel patch wearable cardioverter defibrillator, or PWCD, from the BSI group. This device, known as the Jewel PWCD, was designed to address limitations with traditional garment-based WCDs. To discuss this further, we have Bella, a correspondent for Simply Science. Can you tell us more about the Jewel PWCD and its significance? Certainly, David. The Jewel PWCD is a significant advancement in wearable defibrillators. Traditional garment-based WCDs, while effective in treating sudden cardiac arrest, have had issues with patient comfort and compliance. This has unfortunately resulted in avoidable deaths and limited their widespread adoption. The Jewel PWCD aims to address these issues. How does the Jewel PWCD differ from traditional garment-based UCDs? The Jewel PWCD focuses on user experience design and incorporates advanced machine learning algorithms. These are approaches common in consumer wearables, but relatively uncommon in medical device development. The effectiveness of the Juul defibrillator was confirmed in a study conducted in Prague, where 16 patients experiencing ventricular arrhythmias were successfully converted to a normal heart rhythm after a single therapeutic shock. That's impressive. Can you tell us more about the studies conducted on the Juul PWCD? Sure. In addition to the Juul EP lab study, there was also the Juul IDE study, which involved 305 patients. This study demonstrated significant patient compliance and protected time, resulting in a high number of successful patient saves and no deaths or serious adverse events related to the device. What does the future look like for the Juul PWCD? The future looks promising. The Juul PWCD has received CE Mark certification and UK conformity assessed marking which are testaments to the strength of its development, testing, and clinical results. The company is now well-positioned to plan for delivering this life-saving technology to patients outside the USA. However, it's worth noting that the Juul PWCD is currently limited to investigational use only and is not available for sale in the USA. That was Simply Science reporter Bella. Thanks for your insights. Now, let's shift our focus to the weather. Northeast Indiana and Northwestern Ohio have spent the last two days under a dense fog advisory. While fog is not an unusual sight, it might leave many wondering about its causes and when full visibility will return. Here to shed light on this is our correspondent. Let's start with the basics. 
What are the different types of fog we typically see in this region? Indeed, there are several types of fog, but not all of them are common in this corner of Indiana. Some are characteristic to features such as bodies of water or mountain ranges. However, the most common types we experience here are radiation fog and advection fog. Over the last two days, we've been dealing with advection fog. Could you explain what advection fog is and how it forms? Certainly. Advection is defined by the National Weather Service as the transport of an atmospheric property by the wind. Advection fog forms when warm, moist air moves over an area with a much colder surface. In our case, we had plentiful snow and ice on the ground before the warmer air mass pushed into our region. As the warmer air enters the area, it comes in contact and mixes with the cooler temperatures at the surface. This process cools down the warmer air to the point of saturation, where evaporation slows and condensation begins, resulting in the formation of fog. And how does the fog dissipate? What conditions do we need for that to happen? There are about three different atmospheric conditions that could help our fog dissipate. First, the surface temperature could increase, putting some numerical distance between our temperature and dew point to get away from the point of saturation. Second, an increase in surface winds could help, as fog has a hard time sticking around when strong winds are there to push it out of the area. Lastly, much drier air could push into the region to help reduce the moisture. Fog is indeed a fascinating phenomenon, but it can also be dangerous. Dense fog advisories are issued when visibilities are reduced to a quarter mile or less for a prolonged period of time. As always, it's important to take it slow on the roads when driving in dense fog, and be sure to use your low beam headlights so oncoming traffic can see you. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. And with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Science. We'll see you back here tomorrow.